Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is ZibbyOwens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Liv Constantine is the pen name of sisters Lynn Constantine and Valerie Constantine. Together, they are the best-selling author of the Reese Witherspoon book club pick, The Last Mrs. Parrish, as well as The Last Time I Saw You, The Wife Stalker, and The Stranger in the Mirror. Their critically acclaimed books have been praised by USA Today, The Sunday Times, People Magazine, and Good Morning America, among many others. Lynn and Valerie are national and international best-selling authors, and their books have been translated into 28 languages, are available in 33 countries, and are in development for both television and film. We did this, by the way, as an Instagram Live. Lynn is a former marketing executive with a master's degree in business from Johns Hopkins University. She has explored coral reefs all over the world, sunken wrecks in the South Pacific, and fallen in love with angelfish in the Caribbean. You just never know what you're going to get in someone's bio. When Lynn's not writing, you can find her curled up with her Labrador and Golden Retrievers, reading a good book, or walking the beach, thinking up devious plans for her characters. Lynn also writes the Jack Logan series under the pen name Elsie Shaw. To learn more about her other books, visit elsieshawauthor.com or connect with her on Instagram or Twitter at elsieshawauthor. And finally, Lynn is a board member of the International Thriller Writers. Valerie has always loved books and spent many nights reading by the light of her bedside lamp until 3 a.m. She lives with her husband and their brilliant Cavalier King Charles babies, Zorba and Da Vinci. 
Earlier in her career, she served as White House assistant in the president's scheduling and advance office, planning presidential trips and travel, and has visited over 40 foreign countries. She has a degree in English literature. When she's not writing, you won't find her. <laughs> she and her husband will be traveling to some faraway destination. Oh, okay. Hi, good morning. How are good you? Good morning. I'm so delighted this worked. I just, I almost gave up on you, but I was like, that's so <laughs> unlike them not to show up. What am I doing? No. <laughs> right. Um, Last time we were at, actually at your beautiful apartment. I know. That was so right fun. Before yeah. the pandemic, right? It was like a week or two before. A week before. Is yeah. that when it was? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember my husband drove us because we were afraid to be on the train, remember? Oh, that's right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad this all worked out and that we can, like, chit-chat about your new book, which I've been talking about for 15 minutes. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to know about it, but I read your bios in the beginning. For anyone just joining, we're talking about The Stranger in the Mirror by Liv Constantine. They're the co-authors of The Last Time I Saw You and The Wife Stalker as well. And now The Stranger in the Mirror. Okay, so I was kind of summarizing what this was about before, but if you want to take it over and maybe something that I didn't say or what people should know about this book. And also, like, how did you come up with the idea for this? This is someone's worst nightmare. I feel like this would be my worst nightmare. <laughs> Nightmares, like right. forgetting about my family. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we were together in Sharjah at, at uh, a book festival a couple years ago. We had 10 days together. And, you know, we don't normally get that kind of time because we're living in different cities. And we had finished another book and we were having to go back and do a lot of revisions and we were not excited about it. So we said, you know, why don't we just start over? Let's think about something that we really could get into. And we liked the idea of, of this amne- of this woman with amnesia, with no memory, because we knew there was just so much we could do with it. I'm really excited about the kind of research that that would entail. And we're delving into the mind, into memory and, and perception. So that's kind of where the seed was born. We came home and we both got very, you know, ordered our books and talked to doctors and watched videos. And then we began writing The Stranger in the Mirror. And it was a little, it's a little different from what we've done before. I mean, it's still a psychological thriller, but clearly having a protagonist who doesn't know herself presented a bit of a challenge for us. And what we really focused on initially was her, her struggle and what that must be like when you're trying to figure out who you are. How do you figure out what kind of a person you are when you don't know anything that you've done, you know, any, any kind of relationships that you've had and, you know, where, where do you go from there? So that was, you know, that's sort of the genesis of the story about this woman, Addison. And all she does know is that she has had trauma because she's got scars on her arms that prove she had a failed suicide attempt. So she doesn't know, you know, why did she do that? And she's in starting a new life with this wonderful young man and a family. But can she, you know, is she really deserving to start a new life? Because she doesn't know whether she's done something bad or something bad has been done to her. So that's pretty much her struggle. And then I'll let Valerie talk about the other voice in the book, which is Julian. Julian. So <clears throat> here is Addison at the very beginning of the book, which is it's not her real name. It's a name that she has taken on because she, as Lynn said, she doesn't know who she is. And she's engaged, ready to be married to this wonderful guy that she's in love with. But thinking, how can he really love me? He do, I don't know who I am. How can he really know the real person. And just having lots of doubts about, do I have family out there? Is somebody looking for me? How did I get here? What happened? And then a few hundred miles away in Boston is Julian, and he is sitting with his little seven-year-old daughter talking about the day two years ago that his wife 
disappeared. And a little girl saying to her daddy, is mommy ever coming home? And why? She, mommy must not love us. Why would she have left us? And he's, after two years, almost ready to give up uh, the idea of finding her. Is she, is she dead? Is she just disappeared without a trace? And their paths converge. And that is the rest of the story. Wow. I thought it was so heartbreaking how the daughter wanted to get an American Girl doll to like have it look like her and her mom. Oh my gosh. Like a little, like just like you or whatever. Right. Right. Sad. And that they have to sort of hold on to these memories of her, of the mom, of the rare pictures of, you know, all of that stuff because they miss her so much. And it sounded like, you know, the dad just, Julian did not want to give up. Like he wasn't prepared. He just had this sense inside him that, she could not be dead, that there, she must be there somewhere. And I found myself wondering, like, come on, like, there must be a way, like, there must be a way he could have found her. Like, why didn't she like, you know, more like on Addison's behalf, like, why didn't she post herself? And why, you know, why didn't she like (laughs) go to the news or like, you know, whatever. But of course, that's not what she wanted to do. You know, she didn't want to go to the hospital. So she was afraid. Yeah. As who, who am I? Am, am I going to find out that I'm something that I don't want to be, or I did something that I'm that I feel horrible about doing, having done? So, yeah. Yikes. It was interesting. We talked. We not talked to, but we read some blogs and some essays from people who really suffer who suffer from amnesia, and just to hear the agonizing things that that they go through, not knowing, you know, every every day people who have never really regained their memories and what a struggle that is. You just don't realize, you know, we, we feel like we can imagine what that would be like, but it is only that just imagining it, but to really live it is just pretty difficult. Uh, It's, it's an awful thing. Um, Sometimes I feel like I have amnesia because I can't, can't, there's like whole periods of my life and I can't even remember that well. I remember like when someone tells me a story, it often comes back, but not always. Like my my friend just before this was like, hey, remember that time when we were like hanging out in East Hampton town and we were like, nothing ever happens to us and life is so boring. And now look at how crazy our lives are. And like, I was like, no, she's like, don't you remember that happened? And then like two seconds later, like someone fell and an ambulance came and I was like, that does not even sound familiar to me. I know. I too all the time. I know. It's scary, yeah. isn't it? It's scary. But, yeah. It's yeah. one of the things. I mean, memory is very fickle and can be and totally different. And even if you do remember something, it can, you can remember it differently from the person that you're talking to. It's like, no, wait, it didn't happen that way. This is how it happened. So it's something that you really can fool around with when you're writing. Yes. And I love how you guys had short chapters, alternating perspectives. So you're constantly like keeping the, like the pacing was so good. Like you just kept, it was, it just made it easily to easy to fly through. Cause you want to just like know what's happening next. And I love this mother-in-law character and her like skillful manipulation. And I feel like someone, you know, must have this in their lives or like, I don't know, maybe it's just a trope of the mother-in-law, but it was like so perfect with the, how she really inserts herself and, you know, even from just the wedding planning, like how she walked in and as soon as she walked out, like she had a whole nother thing going. So (laughs) we loved, yes, we loved life. I think she became one of our favorite characters as well. And, you know, it was interesting too, because typically, I guess too, as a, you know, as moms and as I feel like for myself, when I was a younger writer, 
I would more relate to, you know, to the Addisons and the, you know, the younger character, but now having children that are in their twenties and I can, I can understand that. Like if all of a sudden my son brought this woman, this girl home with no memory, I mean, I, what would I do? And I could really relate to her not wanting to alienate him or Addison, but by the same, at the same time, being very concerned about what's in her past or what if all of a sudden she remembers everything and leaves and and breaks my son's heart. So she had a, you know, and that's such a close family too. She had a really fine line to walk in being careful. And then of course the husband's like, Oh, everything will be fine. You know, don't worry about it. It's all good. She's like, no, can't just leave it like that. Right. I mean, I feel like I would be really nervous to be with someone who didn't remember who they were. Like, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, you're waiting for the right to walk, to walk back in. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. You know that she tried to harm herself with the scars on her arms and you wonder, yeah, what, what is, what kind of trauma is in her past? And also just that, that feeling of like loss really that Julian is feeling and that, but that, right. Cause it's like, he's mourning the loss of her in his life and yet he can't put it to bed. It's like, I don't know. There's, I was doing all this research or not research, but talking to somebody all about how the trauma specific to like a disappearance, right? Cause that does happen mm-hmm. um, often and how there's just no sense of closure and what that does to you. And, you know, there are just so many ways, I guess, to have horrible things happen and, you know, be in pain <laughs> about. So, right. you know. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So how did you guys go about writing this together? What did you do your normal, like what is your normal strategy of co-writing and how did you, was this one any different? Was it written during the pandemic? Like what was that all about? And well, it was, I think, I think the first draft had already been written before the pandemic hit. So we were in revisions and heavy edits, which was, which was a good thing because I don't know that we would have had the energy or, you know, the presence of mind to come up with something completely new during such a dark time. But we, we did write this the, the way we now our writing process has evolved is that after we do all of our brainstorming and development, we write every day 
individual scenes, email them to each other, and then talk in the afternoon and give each other feedback. And we have now reached a point, too, where I'll write half of a chapter and send it to Valerie and say, okay, I don't know what else to do, finish this, and she'll do the same with me. So by the time we've gone through the book and gone through two or three rounds of editing, there could be one sentence really that I wrote half and Valerie wrote the other half. And we forget, you know, we, we like to take credit for those lines that really stick out. We're like, yeah, I wrote that. But we don't really know <laughs> who wrote what. Yeah. But wow. it did help, say that it did help, as Lynn said, that, that there was something already started uh, when the pandemic became, you know, something that we knew was going to be long-term. And talking to a lot of other writers, there were some who said, I just can't, I couldn't write. I can't write during this time. And there were even, and I felt like a lot of people were saying that they couldn't read, that it was really difficult to concentrate. It was just such a time of mourning, I think, and sadness and fear that it affected lives in such, well, as I mean, you know, in just terrible, terrible ways. And yet, interestingly, on the book front, at least, you know, sales were up. I just got some statistic yesterday, which, of course, now I'm going to forget. But sales were way up in terms of of books, even though all the stores were closed, right? Like 67% of sales came from online for that whole year. And, you know, so people were buying books. (laughs) That's for sure. So what are you working on now? Well, we're in hopefully final revisions of book number five, which is a political, not a political thriller, but it takes place in Washington, D.C., in the political arena and centers around a senator and his new wife who have just both emerged from a terrible tragedy that has brought them together. So, of course, you know, lots of uh, hopefully lots of intrigue and lots of backstabbing and some interesting, (laughs) terrible characters, but some nice characters as well. And then we have an Audible original coming out in the the next few months that we're finalizing called Misconception Mm. about a woman who is trying to prove that her ex-husband's new wife has a horrible secret that she's hiding. So that was that was fun. That was written during the pandemic as well. So what happened to your childhood here to make you guys so (laughs) obsessed with all this terrible stuff? Like, where is this all coming from? Well, you know, we're Greek, right? We're Greek. So, you know, it probably goes back to <laughs> and our grandmother and stories. And I, I guess, you know, we spent a lot of time growing up around this, a small kitchen table late into the night with our grandmother, our mother, and our aunt. And they would just love to tell different stories. And there were, I mean, not that they were murder or dark, but I guess there was some of that. <laughs> a lot of drama. And there was always Greek, for sure. You know, was, the yeah. country and what happened in, to our grandmother in Greece. And yeah, it was... She told wonderful stories. What happened What happened to your grandmother in Greece? Well, you know, she was from a small island in Greece. And so, so one of the stories that we always loved hearing about was that she was in love with a man from a, a different island. And he was considered, a, you know, well, in, the word in Greek is stranger, like Sandy. He was a foreigner because he was from a different island, even though he was Greek. You know, it was such a different sort of life. And she was forbidden from marrying this man. And she did wind up marrying somebody from her island who she loved and adored. He died very, he was 40 when he died. And she was here in America, having come, you know, right after World War I, with four children, four young children, and she was a widow. And it was in the in 1930, in the midst of the Depression. Years, years later, I guess in the 60s, she went back to Greece for the first time, which is a whole nother thing about these parents who let their children go, knowing 
they would probably never see them again, never meet their grandchildren. There were no, I mean, forget a telephone call, cables or letters took months. It's just astounding that the, what parents that they gave freedom to their children to just really disappear from their lives. But anyway, she went back to Greece in the late 60s and she met the man again that she had been in love with. Of course, he was married. And, but the, the idea that here was this man who lived all those years and her husband died so young, not that, I mean, as I said, she was in love with her husband, but it was sort of a tragic story, you know, too what she had gone through and raising her children by herself in a foreign country. But anyway, lots of interesting stories from the old country. This reminds me I should not be complaining so much about raising my own four kids here. <laughs> I know. Right, with like, you know, anyway, I just... It's just so many things. So many things. Wow. Okay, well, anything else you want to tell us about The Stranger in the Mirror and how great it is and how people should go out and get it. And, you know, this fabulous paced thriller. And I was saying earlier before you got on, like, it might be an untraditional wedding gift for those who are engaged. But since there is some of that, you know, you could always you know, to get people their minds off the wedding. There are lots of summer weddings. Oh, that's true. Very true. Yeah, yeah. I would say I've had a few people, you know, that'll tell me that, especially with psychological thrillers, they like to read the ending and then kind of go and figure out, like deconstruct that way. And I will say that with this book, don't do that because you will be very confused. So this is, if you are, anybody out there is one of those people who goes to the last page, you know, don't, don't, because you'll, you have no idea what's going on. I think, I mean, when we were writing it, there were even times we were confused and Valerie, yes. one of us would do something we'd be like, no, no, that was this that happened here. You can't because of this, you know, the time timeline that changes in the book as well as the point of view. So it, wow. it was, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I think it's fast becoming, I'm not going to say my favorite but one of my favorites of our books so far and just you know appreciate your having us on here and again i'm so sorry that you had to go and you no, know talk it's okay <laughs> and uh, julie julie in the comments here is saying she can hardly put it down and several other people were commenting that they were going to get it right right then so oh, thank um, you hopefully this will you know and i'll post this on the feed and people can watch me embarrass myself for 15 oh. minutes and, uh, oh. and then we can get to your <laughs> Oh my gosh. You got to put us in like a, you know, penalty box or something. With no, the- no. It all the time. I should just stop scheduling. Well, I shouldn't say anything on, on Instagram. No, no. Anyway. It's, I, I've got to, I'm such a, you know, as much as I'm good on social media, sometimes with technology, you know what I mean? And it's I, I just, guess, yeah. I, I can't. I it's very stressful. But anyway, it was yeah. great to chat with both of you. You too, uh, Sorry, we're not in person again this time, but hope to reconnect in person soon. And Absolutely. Enjoy the launch of The Stranger in the Mirror. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.